talking about how God sustains us. We may need to lean on the Lord. There was a time in this country when people had to depend on the Lord more, and people were closer to God, seemed like. You had to pray for rain and pray for good weather, because if, if God didn't send the good weather, then you didn't have anything to eat in the wintertime. And that could be very serious. So you prayed, old people planted their car crops and their gardens. Uh, they prayed and asked God to make them grow because they knew if God didn't do something, then it would be a, a bad winter. People were more dependent on God and, and had to trust God more. But now we we are pretty self-sufficient. We think we, we need the Lord a whole lot more than we think we need Him. We just take it for granted that the supermarket's always going to be there. But, uh, you know, the shelves can be empty in a hurry. Uh, I used to work in a supermarket many years ago now for a while. And those trucks have to keep rolling. And if they don't roll, it would surprise, it amaze you how quickly that food would disappear. You wouldn't believe in a matter of days there won't be nothing there to buy. And so, how we need the Lord? Well, uh, we have a God who is able to take care of us and who is willing to take care of us. But there are some conditions that we have to meet to have those promises fulfilled. And we'd like to look at some of that tonight. Okay, Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do, neither do they reap, or gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubic unto his stature? And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day, is the evil thereof. Now let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we bow in Jesus' name, I do want to thank you for the Word of God and for this time that we have to study your Word. And I pray, O oh God, that you'd teach us the things that we need to know and help us, Lord, to understand the truth that you have for us. Help me to communicate the message that you would have brought and that uh, would be a blessing, an encouragement, and a help to each one that's gathered here this evening. I pray for the power of God. I pray, Lord, that you'd work in our midst uh, in, uh, in great power 
and that Jesus may be honored. In Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. Well, we're speaking to you on how our needs can be met. Now again, we don't know what the future holds. I brought the message on, on the economic crisis and that that is projected uh, to come upon our nation and upon the world. And more and more, I believe that is uh, almost inevitable. Uh, recently in Congress, they tried to uh, get a balanced budget amendment, and you know from the news that that was defeated. And so there seems to be uh, no willingness uh, to bring the finances of their government uh, in, uh, in balance and where they ought to be. Simply to not spend more than you have to spend. Well, uh, it seems that those in places of authority, namely the Congress, uh, who is the part of our government that appropriates funds to be spent, and so the blame can be soundly laid at their feet, and it seems they're unwilling to deal with it at this time. And even if they dealt with it, there is a burden of debt that even our great-grandchildren wouldn't get paid off. And we are in a crisis as far as a nation. And so we look at that situation, and I'm not going to deal with all that tonight, but we have many problems in that area. And uh, so you cannot continue. The point I'm trying to make to lay the foundation here is you cannot continue forever uh, doing that, sooner or later, you'll spend all the money in the world and uh, you'll have to face reality. And uh, so that day will come sooner or later. It's not a matter of whether it's going to come. It's a matter of when, really. And so it's, uh, we don't know when, or I certainly don't know when, and, and others that are, uh, more informed than I will ever be on the subject uh, are unable to predict when this may happen. But as we think about that, what are we going to do? I personally believe we'll be gone in the rapture. I certainly hope so. Uh, but uh, in fact, you're reading the book of, uh, book of Revelation during the tribulation period, uh, how they're going to take a day's work to buy a loaf of bread. And that day certainly is coming. Uh, but uh, uh, whatever happens, God is able to take care of his own, and God is willing, I believe, and he's made some promises to us. Now, he says in the book of Philippians 4:19, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, if you read that in the context, you'll find that the people there in Macedonia, the people of Philippi, had ministered to the need of the Apostle Paul. They had given to meet the need that he had. And therefore, he responds and says, God now is going to supply all of your need. God's going to take care of you. Now, God's promised to do that. Now, who's he promised it to and what condition do we have to meet to take advantage of that promise? Sometimes we try to claim the promises of the Word of God 
without meeting the conditions. Now, thank God there's a lot of unconditional promises. Uh, the only condition to salvation is that you receive it, and that's it. There are no other conditions. You just have to be willing. So in a sense, it is unconditional. But there are promises in the Word of God that are conditional. For instance, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Now, almost everybody you talk to tries to claim that promise. But that's a conditional promise. We know all things work together for good to them that love God. If you don't love God, you can't claim that promise. And so, many of the promises are conditional. Now, the first thing in having our needs met is to make sure that you're a child of God. Now, God has made some promises to his children. One of the promises is he's going to sustain us. He's going to take care of us. Regardless of the economy, God said, I'm going to take care of you. Now, God has ways of doing that. God may use other Christians to do it. And I think that's the primary way that God wants to do it, is through other believers. As God met the needs of the apostle Paul uh, through the believers there Philippi, as he met the needs of the needy saints of Jerusalem through the churches of Macedonia. And God provided, yes, God provided the means whereby they could help. And so God many times blesses uh, a Christian or Christians with much more than they need so they can use that to be obedient to God in ministering to others that have need as God may lead them. Now, again... God's made promises to his child. Now, if a person isn't a child of God, they have no such promise to be sustained by God. God is under no obligation, no responsibility to take care of unbelievers. But he has made promises to his children. Now, we find God took care of Israel in the wilderness there. And they were 40 years in the wilderness. They were a bunch of rebels, but they were still God's chosen people. And uh, their relationship as a nation, nationally, they were God's people in the Old Testament there. And God gave them, you say, well, they were out there in the wilderness and they didn't have any clothes, but they didn't need any because God made their clothes last 40 years and made their shoes last 40 years. How'd you like to buy a pair of shoes like that? The last 40 years. And so God took care of them. He fed them with manna, a place where there was no bread. He gave them water to drink, where there was no water for them. And God took care of his own in the Old Testament and in the wilderness there. Now in Psalm 23, said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside the still waters. In that great psalm. But notice, the Lord is my shepherd. And the shepherd is responsible for his sheep. Not for someone else's sheep, uh, but he's responsible for his own flock. And the Lord's promise that he'd care for us. Psalm 37, 25. The psalmist said, I have been young, and now am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Now these are just a few of the promises. 
said, I've lived all of my life. I've lived from a young man to now I'm an old man. And I've never seen God forsake his own. That's what he's saying. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Why? Because God takes care of them. And I believe that. that God will sustain us. We don't have to lose a minute's sleep. We don't have to worry one minute. Well, I wonder if the job's going to be there. I wonder if I'm going to be able to feed my family. I wonder if I'm going to be able to survive. I wonder this and wonder that. He said, take no fault. Isn't that what Jesus said? He said, don't even, don't even think about it. You don't have to worry. He's told simply, don't worry about it. Take no thought for it. What you shall eat, what you shall drink. He said, I take care of that. I clothe the grass. I feed the birds. And you're more important to me than that. And so the first thing is, is if we're a child of God, if we're a part of his family, he's responsible. Now you think the Lord would have given commandment. He said if any provide not for his own, he's denied the faith and works on an infidel. That we have a responsibility for our natural family to take care of them, provide for them. And you think God would give that commandment to us and then not be responsible himself for his own family? Certainly not. And as God has uh, given us uh, that command, he set the example for us. And I want to say to you that God has, has met every need I've ever had up to this time. And uh, I'm persuaded to believe that he'll take care of me all the way through. And I, I'm amazed sometimes of how God provides and how God uh, uh, takes care of us. And many of you could say amen to that, that God has been with you and personal testimonies of how the Lord has sustained you and God has met your need. And even more than that, God's even went beyond my need 10,000 times. And I thank him for it. But you've got to be a child of God. Second of all, you've got to keep your sins confessed. Keep your sins confessed. Now you backslide on God, and God may let you go hungry a while. You get out of fellowship with God, sometimes people, you know, they, uh, they, they may start having a little financial problems, whatever, and there's a temptation. There's a temptation to get out of the will of God. Maybe a temptation to start robbing God of that that belongs to God. That's the worst thing a person can do is to do that. And uh, if God don't take care of us, we are in trouble. You know, if the employer says, I don't need you anymore, then we get God against us. We are in trouble for sure. We need the Lord. And we need to keep our sins confessed. Now, why do I say that? I want you to turn to the book of Amos. Amos chapter 4. Amos, used to be in the Bible, still is. Amos chapter 4, page 936. Amos uh, chapter, chapter number 4, page 936, verse 6. Book of Amos. And uh, Amos is uh, uh, the one there, you know, prophet that uh, they told him to go back where he come from. They didn't want to hear him. Uh, but they needed to hear. Uh, they needed to hear what he had to say. They weren't interested too much in his preaching because 
He was preaching judgment. He was preaching they need to get right with God. And they didn't like that. They didn't want to hear that much. And he said, I want to, I was, I want to preach her anyway. You know, I was uh, gather sycamore fruit, and God said, I want you to go over there and preach. I'm not, I'm not over here, uh, you know, I'm on. I'm only here because God sent me here. But they didn't want to hear. But they needed to hear. Now look, look what Amos says, Amos 4, verse 6. And I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities, one of bread and all your places. Yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Now what's God saying? God's promised to take care of us. But God was using this to discipline them and to correct them and to chastise them. But they still want to get right with God. You know, the first thing a person ought to do when the hard times start coming, they ought to get on the knees before God. And that's what our, our government, and they don't know what they say, our economy, seemingly they can't get the thing turned around like they want to. And uh, you know what they ought to do is get on their face before God and call this country to repentance and get right with God's what they ought to do. But no, they... They think they, they have all the answers. You know, if we can just prop it up and get through the election just one more time, just, just uh, uh, patch it up and, and uh, kind of like the old, uh, the old tires. I remember years ago coming to my uncle to Marion, and that was, I thought, was leaving the country. And uh, uh, before we ever got back, I thought we had. I don't know how many flat tires we had in those days. They, as a, a job, changing those old tires and patching them and, and all. And that's, that's what they do, just kind of patching it up. Listen, verse 7. And also I have withholding the rain from you when there were yet three months of the harvest. And I caused it to rain upon one city, caused it not to rain upon another city. One piece was rained upon, piece whereupon it rained not, withered. So two or three cities wandered into one city to drink water, but they were not satisfied. Yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. We either have too much rain, not enough rain. That's what God is saying here to Judah. And Amos says, you want to know what's wrong? You want to know why the weather's all messed up? He says, God dealing with you. I've smitten you with blasting and mildew. When your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees, your olive trees increase, the palmer worm devoured them, yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I have sent among you the pestilence after the manner of Egypt. Your young men I have slain with a sword, taken away your horses. I'll make the stink of your camps to come up in your nostrils, yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I have overthrown some of you as God overthrew Solomon Gomorrah. Here was a firebrand plucked out of the burning. Yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Therefore, thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, and because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. God said, I've dealt with you and dealt with you and dealt with you, and you just won't get right with God. He said, now get ready to meet God. For lo, he that formed the mountain created the wind, Declareth unto man what is his thought that maketh the morning darkness and treadeth upon the high places of the earth. The Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. But we don't need God anymore, do we? You know, we just go get the spray and kill the bugs and spray from the mildew and spray for that. And we got, we got uh, something for everything. 
And, uh, but in those days, they needed the Lord. And if God sent the bugs, they was in trouble. And the mildew, they were in trouble. But they wouldn't get right with God. They, they didn't enter their mind that they need to repent. They said to the man of God that was trying to tell them what to do, get back where you come from. We're not interested in nothing you got to say. We're not interested in getting right with God. Go on back home. And God had to judge him. Now, I'm going to stay right with God, don't you? Because I need the Lord. And we don't know what's out there ahead of us. And when we need God, we may need the ravens to feed us or whatever. And we may need God's help in a hurry. You say, well, I've laid up some money. I think I'll be all right. And when the government gets through with it, it won't be worth much. And it can disappear in a hurry, can't it? Just one good sickness can take care of that. And uh, the doctors, they'll, they know how to get it. Uh, but anyway, I want to stay right with the Lord so that, so that I can have the promises of God in God sustaining and taking care of my needs. And uh, 1 John 1, 9 said that we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us. Now thirdly, third thing is put God in his work first. Look at verse 33 back in Matthew 6. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek when? First. First. That's why I believe you ought to tithe off of the gross income. Not the net. You're going to tithe off the net, why not pay the rent and pay the house payment, buy the groceries, and then tithe off what's left. There'll be nothing left, would there? And uh, uh, God's, God's ought to come first. And uh, so he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, not part of these things, some of these things, but all these things will be added unto you. That's why I mentioned Sometimes people, they, you know, their work may get a little slow or something, and they'll, they'll, they'll uh, cut God out. That's the worst thing in the world to do. God said, seek first. If you'll put me first, I'll take care of the other. Now, God had to teach me this years ago. I, I didn't understand it all, and I didn't grow up. I was taught, I, did, I wasn't taught this, and I was growing up as I remember. And... Uh, but I, I started going to a church in Catawba County there, and the priest started talking about tithing. And I didn't know what tithing was. Certainly didn't understand it. And uh, he, he, he made a challenge. He said, I challenge anyone in this church, to, to, if you don't tithe, to, to tithe, and you take God's out first. And if God don't bless you and prosper you more than you would otherwise, at the end, uh, he said, one or two or three months, whatever it was, he said, we'll refund the money. I said, man, I can't lose. I'll try that. <laughs> and you know something? I've never asked for a refund yet. That's been a long time. And God's... God's not only met. He said all these things will be added unto you. Not only has God provided, he's provided 
clothing. He's provided uh, food. He's provided shelter, transportation, and everything else I need. And a lot of things I don't need. Uh, we was on vacation two or three days last week. And I didn't. I, we didn't need to do that. We enjoyed it. Took my dad and my wife's mother, and we just had a good time. Don't hardly ever get to see them much, and and just spend time with them it was a real blessing. We really enjoyed that. But God, God will take care of you. God will provide. You put Him first. He'll take care of you. And I know many of you could say amen. That's right, preacher. God will do that. God took care of me. God provided for me. And, uh, and he promised that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God says, you put me first. I'll take you. You'll put God first. Don't you try to claim that promise. You rob God and... and uh, uh, don't do what God said, then say, I'm going to claim that promise. You're not going to claim that promise. God may let you go hungry for a while and chastise you like he done Israel. So, we need to put God in his work first. There's a wonderful story of this. Now, in Leviticus 23, I was talking about the first fruits. You ought to study that if you doubt what I was saying about the first fruits there. But in 1 Kings 17, a very familiar story. I'll not turn there. You can if you like. But in 1 Kings 17, you have the story of Elijah, the prophet of God. Elijah, the Lord gave the message to Elijah and said, I want you to give the message that there will be no rain. And he said, for three, except by my word, for three and a half years, there will be no rain. Now, what if God, I can imagine, I'm trying to read between the lines, and this may or may not happen, but I can imagine the Lord coming to Elijah and giving him the message. Elijah may have thought, well, God, if there ain't going to be no rain, no dew, what am I going to do? You ever thought about that? <laughs> I mean, if the crops fail, no crops, no water to drink, what's going to happen to me? Now, I don't know where Elijah even, even considered that and said anything about it. The Bible doesn't say he did or he didn't. But if he did, I'm sure the Lord said, don't you worry, Elijah, I'll take care of you. You're my child. I'm going to take care of you. Did God take care of it? He said, I want you to go over to Brook Cherith, and I'm going to take God did, provided for him in a very unusual way. And he said, go there to the brook and drink of the water. And God commanded the ravens, to bring him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. Now the raven was probably a crow of some kind. You say, what did they bring him? I don't know what they brought him. I don't know where they brought him possum or what. But uh, <laughs> whatever they brought him, it is good, I'll tell you. They wasn't any of it rotten. <laughs> and I believe it was all good. They brought him bread and flesh. They may have flew over there by way Hab's table and grabbed up some of that goodies and took it over to Elijah. That's kind of what I think may have happened, you know. <laughs> that uh, we don't exactly where they got it, but we know they brought the bread and the flesh. God fed his servant with the birds. You don't think God can take care of you? If he needs to, 
He can command the birds to feed us. You think of that. Now the story doesn't end there. After a while, the brook dried up. Well, what would you do? You'd say, Lord, what, what am I going to do? If you, uh, doesn't say that, that he began to grumble and complain, but the Israelites, we know they did. They complained about everything. But the brook dried up and there's no water. And without water, you, the, the, the ravens bringing the bread and the flesh won't last, won't be worth much. So the water's dried up. The Lord says, okay, Elijah, I've got something else fixed up for, for you here. He said, I want you to go over there to the uh, Zarephath and said, there's a widow over there that's going to take care of you. So he goes to the city. He beats the widow. She's coming gathering sticks to build a little fire. And he said, I want you to, he asked her what her business is. And, and she told him, I'm gathering little sticks. I've got a little bread and a little oil and enough for one meal. And I'm going to make it for me and my son. And we're out and we have nothing else. We have not anything else to eat. And we're going to eat it and they're going to die. He said, I want you to go make your cake and make one for me first. So you're going to have to cut down on the size of the cake of cornbread or whatever it was. So you're going to have to cut down to make three, three sizes smaller or one of them's not going to get anything. You ever thought of that? He said, now you go make me one first. Now she could argue and say, now wait a minute. You know, I told you I just have enough for me and my boy and we're going to eat it and die. I don't have none for you. It's not enough for three. I've only got, but it doesn't say she argued or anything. She just went and done what God told her to do. The man of God told her to do. And she made her one or him one, and lo and behold, there was enough for her and the boy. More than she thought she had. Well, she rakes the barrel clean, I believe. Pours the oil out, and all of it's gone. And it comes time for another meal. Elijah said, it's time to eat. He said, man of God, there's no meal. You know that we... We used it all, and the oil is all gone. He said, well, you go see. And she goes and sees, and lo and behold, the meal is there. And the oil is there. And she scrapes it clean, makes the cake. And I can imagine that with <laughs> about the third or fourth meal, you talk about someone believing God can take care of. But what's the message? She put God first. She put the Lord first and God took care of all three of them. Now what if she'd have disobeyed the man of God? Where would she be? She'd been starved to death with a boy. She put the Lord first. Number four. Asked in Jesus' name, Matthew 7. Verse 7 through 11. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth. To him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom his son asked bread, will he give him a stone? Or he asked a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then be an evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things 
to them that ask him in the model of prayer. It says, give us this day our daily bread. Now, we don't pray for it, do we? I hope you pray and thank God for it and ask God to bless it. But the Bible says we ought to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Well, ask God for it. We may get to that time, but we'll have to pray it in. But we need to ask in Jesus' name. He said, ask and it shall be given you. James 4, 2, ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, cannot obtain, ye fight in war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Now isn't that a... Uh, an amazing thing he says there. He says, you lust, you kill, you desire to have, you fight in the war, and said, all you had to do is ask me. You could have had it. You, you didn't have to fight. You didn't have to war. You didn't have to go through all the, you didn't have to lust. You didn't have to do any of that. All you had to do was ask me. I like, I like, enjoyed the opening this morning, Brother Thomas. That was a blessing to me the book of Nehemiah where, where they were building the wall and all and, and uh, they had all this opposition and they prayed and they had more opposition they prayed again they had more and they, <laughs> they just kept talking to God about it asked in Jesus name Philippians 4 6 be careful for nothing worry about nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known unto God so God wants us to ask. He wants us to ask. And a lot of our needs could be met if we just talked to the Lord about it. We'd rather worry, wouldn't we? We'd rather worry, fret. God said all you have to do is ask me about it. If we could just learn to trust God like that. You know the Lord, don't you think that God, the Bible says the Father's good pleasure to give you kingdom, and don't you think that the Lord is pleased when we recognize our dependence upon Him and say, Lord, I rely upon you and I depend upon you. And dear God, I have this need and I want you to meet it for me. I can, in my mind, I can, just, I can just see how much that pleases the Lord. Now, if you have the attitude that God's bothered and God's aggravated, when you get on your knees and ask for something, then you've got the wrong attitude. I used to have that kind of attitude. When you go to the Lord, you shouldn't always be asking for something and always ask for this and ask for that and give me, give me, give me, give me. Have you heard preachers condemn you for that? Oh, people do. Every time they pray, always asking for something, always wanting something. You oughtn't to pray like that. Now, sincere as a man may be, that's the wrong kind of preaching. God does want you to ask, and God's not offended. And we're not to ask in a lustful manner. I understand that. And we may consume it upon our lust. But God is not bothered, and God is not aggravated when we say, Lord, I have this need, and I believe you can provide it, and I trust you to do it. You think that displeases God? If you do, you've got a different kind of God than I've got. He's not like that. God wants us to ask. Then finally, take time to be thankful. How important this is. 
Romans 1.21 says, Neither were they thankful. And he says in verse 24, God gave them up. We have such abundance in America and we have so much and we're the most ungrateful people. We just celebrated another birthday of our independence. 216 years, I believe it is. And how thankful to God we ought to be that we live in such a nation as we live in tonight. What a blessing to be an American. If you don't thank God for America, you go to some other country and live a while. Thank God for our country. We've got many problems. Thank God we can criticize it. And we can say this is wrong and this is not right. And, and as right now, they're not going to throw me in jail for saying America needs to get right with God. But still at the same time, all that's wrong with America, if I had to, I'd go to another land and fight for its freedom tonight. In spite of our problems. Thank God for our country. But take time to be thankful. And while we are enjoying all the abundance and all the blessings, let's not forget where they come from. That's what I'm saying. Let's remember where God brought them from. Ephesians 5.20, he says, Give him thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything give thanks. And he says in always, giving thanks always for all things. That doesn't mean everything that happens in our life is good, but God is able to bring good out of it. Give thanks. Many of you have heard uh, J. Harold Smith preach. I think he's up in 80 or 80s. I don't know how old he is now. Still going, still preaching. Sermon God's Three Deadlines as thousands have been saved. One of the things when I first heard him, I've heard him different times. One of the first, first time I ever heard J. Harold Smith, Dr. J. Harold Smith, one of the things that I was impressed about him was his gratitude, his thankfulness. He had had supper, dinner, whatever with, with someone in, in the church. I think the first time I, I can't remember the first time I heard him, I heard him different times, but I recall this time in, in particular. And you could just tell he was just expressing gratitude and thanks to, to the family. And you could just tell the, the heartfelt things he had, the gratitude that he had for the kindness that had been shown. And I think that's what God wants us to have. We forget about all the little things, don't we? It don't take much to say thank you, does it? And mean it. I get a blessing out of taking some of the food out because the people are so grateful and so thankful someone cares let's not forget to be thankful to recognize where it comes from 
God says, I'll take care of you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Let's bow our heads.